extra lit, extra lit, extra lit. Big Cali world all the time, extra lit, extra lit, extra lit. Big Cali world all the time, extra lit, extra lit, extra lit. Big Cali world all the time, extra lit, extra lit, extra lit. It's the man with the plan. I ain't Clark Kent, but some of the ladies do call me Superman. It's your boy, Vic Cali. We here once again, feeling good, feeling great as usual with another episode of Big Cali World. And we got my another special guest. This man right here, first of all, is a dear brother of mine, dear friend of mine, mentor, DJ, producer, fucking whatever you can think of. Let's just say culture ambassador for the desert. He runs this shit, man. It's your boy, DJ Alpha Alpha, man. What's up, player? Welcome Yo, to Big Cali World. Thanks for that introduction, player. And I was just want to <laughs> you're a true player. And I'll <laughs> you right now. Salute. Cheers, brother. Salute. Salute. I'm on Ooh. that plate. We're on that player juice right now. That player juice? I'm over here drinking a nice, nice Cabernet, hanging out. Just feeling good, feeling great. This is some 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 grapes right here. Some some, some grapes? Some white grapes? <laughs> My lady. I love it, man. What's good? Hey man, so how you been doing during this quarantine shit, man? I know I mean, that she kind of halted your whole spring, summer, kind of just kind of put a halt to everything, man. How I you been like- recovering? Well, the thing about this, I mean, I like it, bro. Honestly, I really like this time, you know? I'm using this time as like a meditation, you know? And like, I'm getting a lot of a lot of things done that have been kind of on like the waiting list, you know? That's what I've been hearing. Yeah, a lot of people have been doing it. I've been doing the same. Yeah, so, so obviously Coachella uh, is a big thing for me every year, you know? So every year um, I do... Coachella since I've been working Coachella since 2010, you know, so it's, it's definitely been, uh, it's been a journey for me from being a fan of going to Coachella, you know, like paying my ticket, going to Coachella and fast forward 10 years later, I'm asked to be an artist at the festival and, and, and my first year at being an artist, an actual artist on the actual up was 2011. So, That's what I was gonna say. So, like you, you were going to the festival since it started. Yeah. So, so like you I remember was, when it was like Coachella coming to town? Like this is something new. Yeah, I've literally been to every single Coachella since. Yeah. Uh, I've been to every single Coachella since uh, since uh, since the beginning for twenty. Wow. It's like just celebrated twenty year anniversary. Uh, I know. I was, uh, you know, obviously it was a bummer, you know, that we had it. And, and honestly, it's not canceled. Coachella wasn't canceled. It was postponed. You yeah, know? exactly. It's still happening. Still happening. And it's happening in uh, in the fall. It's going to be, you know, and, it, and it's going to be a good thing right before the election, too, because I, I wanted rage. <laughs> I love know? it. I'm a big Rage Against the Machine fan. So I feel yes. like. Yes. Oh, my God. Rage was going to be there. Yeah, man. They, they're they're gonna still going to be there. Sorry. You see how I'm still like talking like it's not happening. Like it's because it was just I was so hyped up for April because I'm used to April. I was set in my ways. And then when it was over, I was like, oh, wait, OK, it's October. OK, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I like it, you know, like uh, like I said, every year, you know, coach, I always try to do something different and, and bring something better, you know, to Coachella every year. Nice. It's like nice. It's kind of like my gauge for the year, you know, mm-hmm. uh, use music, art, culture. 
and myself too. You know, it's like it's a place where I can showcase some of my mixes, some of the some of my original music. Uh, yeah. You know, like I said, I've been to every single Coachella. I was 15 years old when I went to Coachella 1999. I was a ninth grade, bro. I uh-huh. paid. I paid for my ticket. I went to the mall. I went to Ticketmaster inside Robinson's Maid. The Robinson's I remember Maid. Robinson's Maid. <laughs> it doesn't even exist anymore, you know? So, right. like, Robinson's Maid. They had a Ticketmaster. I bought my ticket. I think I bought my ticket for about $45 for one day. Wow. Yeah. And, and then, so, like I said... Hold on, let's just stop right there. Hold on, you're telling me Coachella one day was only $45 in the beginning when it first started? Yes. Wow, I know that was like I know where you were you bought. All right, I have a question there because I always wondered because Coachella has always just been around for me. Like I've always no, I didn't I don't remember when there wasn't a Coachella because right. right when I got new to like the music in and going out, Coachella was already in. I was kind of late. I got into it around like two thousand. Well, like I think 12, we- 11, 10. Did we take you your first Coachella? Yes, that's what I was gonna say. My first Coachella. You guys, first off, got me into Coachella the first time I ever went. I was like, I was so hyped, and I got it out camped. I, I was on the camp scene, and I remember I was faded as hell th- Thursday night, and you did the dome, and you gave me the microphone, and I wasn't even DJing in. I was barely hosting. You're like, here, Big C, do your shit. And you're playing. I remember just, let's go. Turn. And it was crazy. And it was my first time ever being in front of that many people in Coachella. And I was like, wait a minute. This is it. And then the next year, after, no, the, it was the next year, the year after that, that's when you DJ. I think it was the Sahara tent. Yeah, Sahara. And I remember I had to wake up early in the morning with you and we ate breakfast and a little artist compound thing. And I was like, and I didn't even have the, the band yet. You had to talk to me to get in. You're like, hey, man, he's with me. Just let him in. Just let him in. He's going to go. And we went to the Sahara tent. I remember we turned up and I was like, wait a minute. This is it, my nigga. And that's when I was like, okay, this nigga, I've ever got this desert shit, bro. Like, I, I get it. You had it because you got me in the back. That's some shit. <laughs> that's so, yeah, hard. man. That first Coachella experience was deep, though, man. And you were there. And that's the the thing about Coachella. Like, you know, for me, Coachella is more than just a festival. You know, it's like it's like it's like almost like a religious it's like a religious experience. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, music and art are are the things that inspire me the most, you know, and and Mm. so. Every year as a, as a, you know, being 15 years old, when they started Coachella, like since then, it was always like, what's Coachella doing this year? Who's coming to Coachella? Because yeah. only the best, I would say the, the most cutting edge and like culture, the, the people that are really driving culture are at Coachella and, and, and performing at Coachella, honestly. Yeah, start- exactly. And uh, so... Uh, uh, a lot of artists' name were made from Coachella, that Coachella performance. Like, I heard something, I heard a story someone was telling me about Daft Punk, how they used, like, all their budget for their Coachella performance and literally changed the way dance music and, like, scene, that rave scene, that scene was even looked at back then because no one's seen nothing like that. And I was at that Coachella. And that Coachella you're talking about in particular when Daft Punk debuted their Pyramid, uh, you know, at the same time, Madonna was playing in the Sahara Temple. You know, like that, that's fucking crazy, bro. <laughs> so it's like you have these legends that are simultaneously. You know, that was just two stages. You know, 
simultaneously, there's like 15, you know, there's like 10, 15 stages going on at Coachella. So, so, you know, there's amazing music going on at Coachella. And as you know, growing up in the desert, there was nothing going on in the desert, bro. Like, you know, I can only imagine you had to drive to LA, you know, you're, you, you, I mean, I feel like you, you, you're, you, you could feel me because you're from Reno Valley, you know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The culture was more in the city, you know, and so we always had to go to L.A. L.A.'s always. But now it's like I don't honestly, it's kind of crazy. I need to watch that Coachella documentary. I haven't got a chance to peep it yet because it's just crazy how they created something out of nothing. Really? Yeah. You know, it was in the middle of the desert. Yeah. I mean, they they definitely had a vision and, you know, they were trying to emulate what was going on in Europe with like all the with the three day festival kind of. And, and the rave scene, the rave scene was popping off. So I suggest everyone watching the Coachella documentary and, and if you want to get more informed on how Coachella got started, yeah. you know, me, you know, going back to like being a kid, like in that, going to that 1999 Coachella, you know, mm-hmm. and there was, there was a group of DJs that called the Invisible Scratch Pickles and they, they were really good at turntablism, you know, mm. and, 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 and so I really wanted to go see them because Mixmaster Mike and this guy named Qbert, which is like the okay. founding, like some of the founding fathers of like cutting edge scratching, you know. I've heard of Mixmaster Mike for sure. I've for sure seen his shit. So Mixmaster Mike was the DJ uh, in the later years of, of the Beastie Boys. He was the Beastie Boys DJ. That's where I've heard his name. That's where, yes. I just watched the Beastie Boys documentary on Apple TV with Spike Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Right to that. Shout out to Spike Jones and Sam Spiegel's brothers. Those are my boys right there. Um, so, so basically, Mixmaster Mike, and then they brought this new DJ who was one year older than me. His name was A Track, DJ A Track. And so, what? Yeah. So he he was 16 at the time, and I was 15. So I wanted to go see A Track because A Track was like the next big DJ, you know? And yeah. so, I, I was like, if, if a 16-year-old if kid could do it, I could do it. And so I literally needed to see him DJ. And there's literally in the documentary, there's a video of Mixmaster Mike at that performance. And right next to his record bag, I'm standing front row. Uh, I'm in the documentary for like a very split second. Yeah. But totally me, front row. And I was wearing an ugly-ass vest that I got from The Gap. <laughs> It was awful. And uh, because I thought it was a raver back then. So I had like a tight ass vest on and like 2099. This is 1999, 2000. I went to the gap and bought an ugly ass vest. (laughs) Shout out the gap. (laughs) And uh, basically, uh, I basically got inspired forever. You know, I I I like to say that at that moment, I uh, I basically got inspired and and I, I got I, I told myself I want to DJ on that stage one day. Wow. Know? And you, you know? weren't DJing, were you DJing prior to this? You know, I, I had just bought a turntables maybe like five months before Coachella. Wow. Yeah. And I was getting frustrated. I I didn't know what I was doing. I bought actual turntables. I bought a little mixer and I was teaching myself how to DJ and then Coachella was like that extra push that was like look look, look at the DJing on the highest level like you could do that if you yeah. try hard enough if you so. actually give do it right that's yeah. crazy too because um a lot of people 
go to Coachella and they think, you know, they don't, you don't know who's in the crowd, bro. You really know. You don't know who that little kid is that's watching you on that stage. I think about that stuff all the time. I'm like, so like just a little kid that you see this new DJ named A-Track getting brought on by Mixmaster Mike, not knowing that A-Track is going to go on and DJ with Kanye, go on and DJ with, and change the DJ game forever, really. Like he's one of the best in the game right now. Yeah, exactly. So that was the inspiration I needed. You know, also, you know, that year I saw, uh, I saw The Roots. Um, I saw a wow. DJ, DJ Shadow and DJ Cut Chemist. Mm. Um, they're really dope. Like they did a funk and soul kind of mix. And then yeah. uh, Ugly Duckling. I saw, uh, I saw Cool Keith, you know, which is like, he's like on another level too, like uh, a rap rapper. And then also... Yeah. I saw, you know, Rage Against the Machine and Tool that year. So, Damn, that, this is all the first year of Coachella? Like, <laughs> yeah, some of the artists I saw first year. And there was small tents that had, like, drum and bass. And yeah. a lot of people drum and bass and, and like, kind of, like, reggae MC on there. And, like, it just opened me up. I was like, I was like, wow, like, this is dope. Like, you know, like, I... Obviously, I was watching MTV at the time. You know, I was a freshman in high school. I was starting to get into hip-hop. But going to Coachella, it showed me that there was a counterculture, you know, that, that there was some underground music that I don't need to listen to the top 40. I, there, right. There's a lot of dope music out there. And, and I'm really thankful that the festival happened, you know, because I, I think I needed something. You know, at that time in my life, I was like, you know, I love soccer and I always played soccer, you know. Yeah. But I also wanted, I had this artistic kind of like, I was into graffiti and I, and, and I had art, but I also liked, I wanted to make my own beats. I wanted a DJ and scratch and mostly- And this is all at, fit. this is all at before 15, before you go on, you knew this. This is like literally like 14, 15, you know? Like I was definitely getting into hip hop in like eighth, eighth grade for sure. Like that was well, like- What album, what album got you into hip hop? Uh, or what, mean, what, what moment, if you remember, do you remember it was a moment that you were like, whoa, this is rap. Okay, well, this is lit. Or it was roundabout music and they sold used CDs because back then people bought CDs. So repeat this space again. I'm sorry. What did you say? Called roundabout music. Roundabout and, music. Okay. And they, they 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 sold some new CD, but mostly it was it was used CDs. So people would listen to a CD, they would burn it, and then like sell it or whatever. So right. like I would buy uh, I would I bought Wu Tang Wu Tang Forever. You know. Out the yeah. gate? Out the gate? That was the first hit. <laughs> Bring your RZA? <laughs> Inspector Deck? <laughs> Rayquan? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ghostface? It was too deep. Older bastard. And I remember you told me you DJed with them. You DJed with Ghostface like years later. It's kind of crazy how that came. Ghostface uh, in, uh, two years ago. In uh, uh, 2018, I DJed. I, we brought out Ghostface. My, my neighbor, John, uh, John Dreyer, he started a company, an event company. And his first event he wanted to throw, he brought out Ghostface Killer and Killer Priest. And, I, and then... And I DJed for for uh, Ghostface Killer and Killer Priest that night, and it was on 420, so it was it was very and it was it was a Wednesday in between Coachella, so Coachella was happening, and then you know that Wednesday, like in between Coachellas, we threw a party, and then the, then the following day we did Coachella, like again. so that Thursday night you were at you're at Coachella, you're at the fairgrounds. Yeah, so it was like nonstop. Wow. 
sure. But you know, it was a blessing. Like, how, like, like there. I think very few people could say that they DJ for the Wu Tang Clan. You know. Exactly. No, that's crazy. I, you, I'm not gonna say I'd be starstruck, but I'd have been like, "Whoa!" Like, I'm really like, did you live in that moment? Like, where you like, this is like, did you remember Young Alfalfa going to Roundabout Music, picking up Wu Tang Forever, and listening to this man's words? And you're like, wait a minute. Well, a fun, funny story about that is that I bought that album and I had that album for about a week, and I was bumping that album. Like, I was listening. Yeah. Album like over and over and there's a couple like the, the rizza who's one of my favorite producers and uh, you know well hand, shout out to the rizza uh he basically would put these skits kind of these interludes in there i know what you're talking about those little like it's like the little uh chinese chinese kung fu like yeah. skits in between but then it'll be like a little like break beat too like in the background like some yeah. shit like that yeah, yeah, totally. He had these dope skits, and then I think one of them, you know, I I don't exa remember exactly what it was, but there's definitely like some profanity, and there's like you know, like like it sounds like you know women are having sex, or like it sounds like some crazy shits happening, you know? Like, yeah. Remember, my mom was walking by my room, and she, yo, what is this? Like, what are you listening to right now? And I remember she like went to the CD player. She pulled the CD out. Somehow she figured she knew how to pull the CD out, and she pulled it out. And she's like, "I'm taking this back to di to disco around music or whatever." And I was like, "Yo, like what? Like I was like, she took the album back. <laughs> I was 13 years old. It was like and she went, and I remember she went with me, and she was like, "I can't believe you guys sold this to like a kid because it had the parental thing on it. Yeah, the little sticker. Yep, yep." <laughs> I was 13 at the time. I was maybe 12 or 13 at the time. But I was like, you know, that that album had triumph on it, you know? So Yes, I'm already knowing. So, Epic. Yeah, so that that song was what I remember seeing the video The Triumph on MTV. And then <laughs> that shit got me, you know, to the, wanting me to go buy that, you know? So I, I basically my mom returned it and then like and then low key, I went back like a couple days later, and the guy knew knew me, and he and he and he sold it back to me. Real nigga, let's go. <laughs> Real nigga, I like that. Hey, you know what's funny? When when I was uh, let's say I was about nine, maybe eight or nine, I uh, my mom gave me a gift certificate to Circuit City. I always tell this story. She gave me a gift certificate to Circuit City, and I was able to buy a boombox, and I had enough to buy one album. And at that time, Westside Connection, Bow Down was out. Oh, that's my shit. <laughs> so I bought that whole album, Alpha Alpha, right? That was the first rap hip hop. Let's go. Cheers. It. That was the first rap and hip hop album I bought, bro. And when I tell you I was nine years old listening to the, the whole Westside Connection, Bow Down album and knew all the words, like you were probably with the Wu-Tang album. I could only, you know, it's crazy how these albums are so deep. But we we're like, no. This is hip hop. This is something different. I know this is tight. And then from there, I just kept digging. I kept digging. I kept talking to like older homies at the time. I wish the internet was out like back then, like big time where we could like Google shit because <laughs> I didn't knew everything by then. Yeah. So so back then, that's funny that you say that. Back then, you had to actually buy the albums to the CD, and then you would burn it. You know. So yeah. So my friend, my friend who so this is like ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah, the, so I graduated high school in 02. So okay. I, my, 
So I went to high school 90, uh, 90, uh, 1999, 2000, 2001, and 2002. God, that was a great time in music. Yeah. Damn, you went to high school during all the Cash Buddy era, all the Rockefeller era. <laughs> Damn. So, Back when niggas was spending a million dollars on videos. <laughs> one, of, uh, one of my best friends in, in high school, He his name's Adam Redstone. Rest in peace, Adam Redstone. R.P. His grandfather actually owns Viacom, which owns MTV, owns uh, VH1. Like he yeah. was a real bigness. Yep. And uh, and my friend Adam, he his parents lived in Rancho Mirage. They, they his sorry his grandparents lived to, in, from Boston. He was getting in a lot of trouble, doing a lot of graffiti in Boston, and he came out here and. He, me, and him clicked in art class. He, he's a graffiti writer, and I would, you know, I would, I would mess around with, would do with some graffiti and, and art back in the day. So, yeah, me gravitated towards each other. And he was the only kid at our school that had a tattoo. Now everyone in high school has a tattoo. But <laughs> Adam Redstone in high school, his he had a tattoo on his calf, and it was some crazy shit. Like yeah. it was, and so like he, he basically had. Because he had the resources, he had the sickest CD collection, bro. Like the sickest. So right. my, my boy would literally give me his CDs and be like, "Here, you could have them for a couple of days, and just burn them all." Damn! So you had to connect. Like you had everything. So like he put me on like Gangstar, Pete Rock, all the all because he's from Boston. He was from Boston, so he basically put me on to like uh, obviously Gangstar and and. Yeah. and Gangstar's from from Boston, so he basically yeah. went on to all that shit, bro, and and all the early shit. The P Rock, I remember like listening to P Rock for the Reminisce? first time. Carmel yeah. City. Oh, all, you know, like <laughs> I, was, I was listening to all that CL Smooth, and you know, I got I I was just like I loved hip hop. I like by like ninety nine two thousand, I was like I, I was into it all, but because but before that, bro. I was into punk rock, bro. I was. That's what I was gonna ask you. What were you listening to before that? You had to listen to something. Yeah, what were so, you on before then? So basically, I was. I was. Rage Against the Machine was my shit, bro. You know, but but actually, to rewind though, before Wu Tang Clan, I when you asked me what album really triggered it, it yeah. was the, bro, and that was more when the I what was album? A, What'd you say? Diggable Planets. Oh, and, okay. And, and Diggable Planets is a jazzy hip hop. I know about Diggable. Wait, didn't they make uh uh Diggable cool like that? It's one of the dopest fucking. No, they got songs. I know. I know a few Diggable Planets album. I mean songs for sure. I'm cool. Cool like, like that. That's what I was thinking. I was like, yes. So yes, Diggable, I believe they came to out rap. Like, what Kiwi to rap and then Eve, yo, Okay, yep. I believe they they came out in '94 or '95, and so. Some, 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 sometime around there, I remember that. Because my sister started working at a record store and she gave me that cassette tape. Okay, so your best friend's grandfather worked for Viacom and had all of the albums, okay, on deck. Then your sister worked at the record store. <laughs> so you literally just had two sources of music at all times to hear all this. So you, so you could say, were you raised around music basically growing up all your life? I was. But it wasn't the type of music. I mean, it was mariachi. The type of music mm. that I grew up listening to was traditional Mexican music from my father. 
Got you. So shout out your pops too, man. Shout out your pops too, man. He uh, he's from Jalisco and he's from the home of tequila and mariachi. Hey, so, <laughs> so that's, my blood, my blood is basically from from that that music. You know the the music. My father's not musical, but he loves music. And so my my father, <laughs> he would always be the first one to to hire the band. He would be like, I like oh, that. <laughs> I like that. My, my, my dad's not playing the instruments. He's hiring the band. So he, my dad yeah, he's like, gonna, no, I want the whole band of my shit. I want it to sound tight. I know what I want to hear. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and in a mariachi, if it's a good mariachi, you have about eight, at least eight musicians, you know? So you have the violins, you have guitar, you have bass guitars, you right. have you have the right. trumpet, you have the harps, you know? you have And they're a, singing. At the same time, playing instruments <laughs> and singing. Hey, I <laughs> gotta give it to the mariachi bands, man. Real shit, man. Here's the mariachi. We got big C. We gotta go to Jalisco one one day, bro. I'm trying to go to Mexico, bro. I saw you DJing out there in Mexico when you were out there with Speak. Talk about that for a minute, man. How was DJing out there in Mexico, bro? Well, bro, I'm blessed, bro. Like you know, I was born in Palm Springs. You know, Palm Desert's my hometown, but. My parents are from Mexico, so every summer I would go to Me Mexico, you know? So every right. summer, baby, bro, like, until, you know, maybe I was 22 years old, every summer I would spend in Mexico for at least Damn. a month. Oh, in Jalisco? And, and I would go to Zacatecas. So my, my mom's from Zacatecas, and uh -huh. then Jalisco is, like, literally, like, an hour away, you know? Got you. Okay. So How far is that from, like, Mexico City? It's pretty far. It's 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 like north of Mexico City. It's literally in the center of Mexico. Like if you Got put your you. center of Mexico, that's where I'm from. And okay, okay. I like being from the heartland of like Mexico. Like that shit. That sounds tight. <laughs> how was like? How was those summers out there? It was good, cool, man. Like you know, we would be on the ranch, bro. Like uh, my family raises cattle, and they raise and they have uh, my grandfather. He. He, he was a farmer. So my family comes from far, farming people, you know? So like, we would go out there, I would, I would go with my mom in the mornings, we would milk cows, bro. Like I would, I would. I thought you were milking cows, my nigga, you were out there milking cows and doing, 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 the, doing the real gritty work for the people? Yeah, man. So we, gotta, we gotta make that cheese, bro. We were making cheese. <laughs> you gotta make that cheese. Cheers to that, bro. <laughs> I was straight up. My job, my mom, my mom's job was to milk it, and then my my job was to take the cow and tie its legs. It was called be a lad. So I would I would I would be a lad the cows, and then and then make them secure and safe so my mom could get in there and milk it. That's crazy. So out there during that whole time, bro. Yeah. Were you listening to? Was there was there any musical influences out there? Yeah. Was so there, where my mom's from, that's banda music. So that's like sounds like the circus music, bro. You know when people like that's just like you be hearing. Yeah, you know why though? Because it was influenced by polka music from Europe. Wow, that makes sense, bro. In Jalisco and on the border of Jalisco and Zacatecas, bro. The people don't know this, but Ger Germans. German Nazis fucking like had huge camps there. You know what I'm saying? Like what? there was crazy, bro. German Nazis had camps in out there just set up. This is what's crazy. My 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 aunt is married to a 
the the son of the general, the the, the German the German Nazi general that they basically they they sent him to Mexico. They were just like get out of get out of Europe. You know when people fled Europe after World yeah. War II. He just went and got asylum in Mexico. And anyways, my, my aunt married his son. And so my my aunt on that border, it's like, so basically banda music is very much like European music. You know what I'm saying? So you, you hear the German polka music inside of that. And so that's what banda music is. It has the trombone, the trumpets, and it... It has the drums, you know, and it and it has like a it's a different style from mariachi. Mariachi, I would say, is more classy, and banda is more like for corridos and, and like corridos. Me, corridos is just kind of like it's more like songs, you know, about Got like you. no, it's like almost like song, pop like songs, yeah, like pop. Like would you say mariachi is more classical, traditional music, and bon is the, what's the other one name? Banda is a little more aggressive because it's, bro. Like when I associate banda, it's like dudes on on horses, wilding. Like I, like where we're from, my, so people be dancing horses. You know what I'm saying? And so that's deep. Yeah. What's the What's the music? I remember when I was working security, I had a homeboy who I worked with. Shout out my nigga Oscar, man. You know who you are, bro. Real nigga. He used to play this music in there, and I used to be like, bro, like, what the fuck? I want to hear this shit. I used to always tell him, like, bro, I don't want to hear this shit. I don't know what the fuck they're saying. It's sound like the same beat. I was hating. But look, he broke it down. He's like, my nigga, look, I'm going to break it down to you. And he literally said what it was, and it was all, like, trap music. Like, yeah. like talking about like the cartel and narco shit and all kind of wild stories. And I remember hearing he was like, yeah, they make music for the basically the organizations out there. And yeah. I was I'm, They're like this trap, bro. It was like real trap music, though, like the real trap music. Yeah. Like, I mean, Corey, it could be about anything. It could be about like your dog dying or it could be about like you smuggling drugs. You know what I'm saying? Like that's real. The spectrum, the spectrum goes. It's just. So like so so like when I go to Jalisco and in, in Zacatecas, yeah. like my dad would wild out. He would he would him and his brothers would get the mariachi for ten hours and get a banda for ten hours, and they would it would be like a twenty four hour party, and they would Come just on twenty four hour party, and they would just switch switch the banda for an hour, mariachi an hour, banda an hour, mariachi an hour, and we for we twenty would, hours. They, they, you know, they, we would have a feast. We would have beans, rice, and we would, uh, you know, they would kill a, a, a whole cow and we would stay there for like the whole weekend, like a, like a Saturday, Sunday, and then everyone would leave on Monday, you know, like it was lit. Like, so we, we do kind of dope. <laughs> you blow my mind away right now. I'm like, what the fuck? Why wasn't I there? I'd have been there turned up. And so we're like, we'll have like the, the bulls out because my cousins raised bulls for Spain and for bullfighting, bro. Like the biggest, scariest bulls you'll see in the world. My cousins, yeah. like I, I remember going to kid and feeding them, giving those guys water. And, and like, they're crazy, bro. Like those bulls are insane. So like we have like some bullfighting going on. And then we ha also have like, like fucking, I, I used to get on the little little bulls, the becerros. And, and then yeah. like I would like fucking a rodeo bro like and try to hold on for like 10 15 seconds or whatever hey bro so you were out there how old are you doing all this shit i mean that was like when i was like actually that was actually when i was like 24 when i was doing some of that shit that's crazy hey bro 
But you know, bro, you know what's funny? You just you threw me off when you were talking about fucking riding bulls and fucking dancing horses in 20 hour parties. Yeah. But I, I wanna know. I'm gonna send you a video of a dancing horse that dances for like 10 minutes and it's at one of my parties, bro. I'm gonna send you a video. It's on my YouTube, I guarantee you. When are we throwing a 20 hour party then? When are we gonna do the 20 hour DJ party? Or is that Coachella? <laughs> is that, is that? In October, bro, you know? I and know. That was longer though. That one's not even, that's literally, bro, you know this. It starts There's, on Thursday. I crack off, I've been DJing at Coachella every Thursday inside a giant dome for the last 10 years, bro. How many people's in there, approximately, you think? And it's cracking, bro. How like, many people you think is in there, Avava, if you could put a number to it? Like at least, at least 10,000 people. There's a, there's a couple thousand people in there for sure, you know, and especially like when 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 we do it, which is like around midnight, you know, we I we we crack it off around midnight and welcome it's everyone. So much fun! Oh my god! Yeah, so, so much fun. So that was like the that that the excitement on that Thursday is like when it's I think at the highest because there's people that have traveled all over the world and they've never been to Coachella and they're about yeah. to open like ten hours. You know what I'm saying? So right. like. They're, they're like staying up all night. They're gonna party. It's funny. We always say every time we go to Coachella, whatever you have, it's like whatever like little weed you have or extracurriculars you have or alcohol you bring, whatever. You literally do half of it on Thursday night because you're just that hyped up. You're that turned. Yo, by 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 Sunday, fools <laughs> like zombies and they're just like walking back to their camp. Bro, Sunday, I remember walking from the tent to the main stage and I remember to go see Drake <laughs> and I literally walked and I got all the way there and White Stripes are playing. Mind you, I don't know, at this moment, I don't know who the White Stripes are. Like, okay. I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is some rock band, some dude and his girl. All right, well, I'm about to just post here because I know Drake's next. All of a sudden, they play six slaps I've heard my whole life. And then they ended with uh, Seven Nation Army. Oh, yeah. It's not crazy. I fucking... I, I grabbed some dude's shoulder from like France or like Berlin or something. Another dude's shoulder from another country. And we were just jumping up and down, screaming, raising their flags. It was lit. That's why I was like, Coachella is just different, bro. It's just bro, different, bro. That's the shit. Like, honestly, bro, like, I, I, I've seen some amazing stuff at Coachella, you know? And, and, and honestly, it's kind of a big blur for me, you know, because it's, it's just been happening. And I feel like, you know, Coachella, like for me, it's I'm just scratching the surface of Coachella. You know what I'm I saying? I feel like you're just scratching the surface of a lot of stuff in your career though, honestly, bro, because you're so multifaceted. Cause not only you do the DJing, but I wanted to touch on your production. Cause I wanna, I wanna play you a couple tracks too. I have it queued up here. You do? All right, you gotta email it. All right, we're gonna play it at the end. Whatever you want to play, we're gonna play it at the end of the show. Cause I wanted to sound clear. I wanted to sound crisp. We can't be like Teddy Riley. They're gonna roast me. I feel you. I feel you on that. I'm gonna. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna send you an outro track. My see, and that's why I love you, and that's why I love you. But nah, when, when it comes to your production, when did you start actually making that transition from DJing to producing, or were you producing before you DJed, or how did it go? I was. I'm a DJ first. Right. That that's how I I. I learned how to DJ first and I knew the, the fundamentals of how to mix music and how the frequencies work like that. Yeah. And so I basically 
once I, I was maybe like three years in of DJing, uh, you know, like around that time, or actually, you know what, two years, I had a program called Acid, Acid Pro, and I made okay. a program called Acid, but it's funny because it's like, I make music on Acid, and but it just... <laughs> Uh, and I remember I made it kind of like, I fig started figuring out the concept of how to make a beat. You know, like how to loop shit. Cause I was into loops. Like I look, I look. That's uh, where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm, I'm just now at the stage of making loops when I'm DJing. You see my progress of DJing. So you know where I'm at, yeah. I'm a loop digger at heart, bro. Like behind me is all these records I collect. I love it. I, I know you always dig for loops. You're always digging for loops. You, that's what you do. I got records, bro. And so, you know, but I don't necessarily sample from records. I can sample from anything, bro. And so, uh, so my, my thing is I love loops and how the original producers of hip hop, like Barley Marr, uh, like how he did the early, some, some of that early hip hop shit and like yeah. ARS one beats, like when premiere and, 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 and like I said, Pete Rock, those are some of my influences. And then obviously Dilla and Mad Lib, were, were kind of like my mentors when it came to Can like- Can I well, ask you about Dilla? I'm just curious, not to cut you off. I'm really curious about what you think about Dilla because I always knew Dilla Beats, okay? Yeah. But I didn't appreciate Dilla Beats until this year, no cap. I'm just going to be honest with you. And it's not so much, I always knew he was good. But I didn't know how deep his catalog was that this nigga was producing R&B tracks I knew, like hella random hip hop, hella random artists, like their song that I love. I might not like them, but that one or two songs I like were Dilla Beats. I can tell you this, whenever Dilla Beat came on, like I remember like listening, so I, I'm, I'm old school, bro. Like I'm, 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 a, I'm older, bro. I'm 30, I'm 35 years old, you know what I'm saying? Right. So like. I grew up listening to Graham, uh, what's his name? Uh, Funkmaster Flex. So Funkmaster Flex would put out these mixes. And whenever he put a slim, Slum Village track on, yeah, I was like, he put on the Slum Village and Q-Tip song on. And when I heard that beat and I heard how the, 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 the beats were just knocking and it was a soulful ass sample. Right. And Q-Tip was writing that beat, and then the and then how JD because he, he referred to himself as JD in that track, and and JD comes on and, and throws his little verse, and it was like, yo, and I remember Funk Funk Flex only put that song on for like a minute and like thirty seconds, and it was like too short. I was like, I kept rewinding that shit. I was like, damn, opus part of the album, and it was because it was a Dilla beat, so. Before I even know who did, who even made that beat, right? That was I feel like that was one of the first times because I remember I bought that CD in Santa Barbara and I was fucking maybe like you know like fucking thirteen, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I heard that shit and I was like, I literally looked. I was like, okay, Slum Village. I need to go see who who the fuck Slum Village is. Like you know, exactly. Like, like I was like, that was so me when I heard um Elzai too for the one of the first time. I heard Elzai separate from when I was listening to Slum Village, but then I always knew Slum Village is like hits, like selfish, tainted. Like I didn't know, but I didn't know that that was Dilla. I'm just thinking that that's a hard Slum Village song. I'm not putting it together. That is Dilla. And the selfish became popular because Kanye got on it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, so exactly. 
you know, Dilla, Dilla is fucking super dope, bro. And like, obviously, like, you know, all the stuff he did. Like, I remember I, growing up listening to The Far Side. So I remember there's a there's a song called Why by The Far Side, and he remixes it. And that song is so yeah. fun. I remember driving around, picking up my honey in high school, listening to that song. That's what. That's so lit. What song is that again for the people so they can go to it? Oh, why? And then it's in the question mark, and then it's by the far side and Dilla produced the Dilla remix. You should hear the Dilla remix for sure. Damn. That's, the That's real shit, man. That's some real player shit. And so, like, I always remember seeing JD. I remember buying records and then just being like, oh, this is the JD remix. I know it's going to be fire. Right. You know? Because right. it was. For the internet and you just like you know i would go to the record store and hear shit or whatever but like i knew if it was jd it was sick and i also resonated with madlib madlib is really dope you know producer. Mm. madlib is so his first off his new shit him and um freddie gibbs shit crazy and then madlib i yo Adlib is dope, and what what you just said with the Freddie Gibbs, like I feel like sometimes some of my beats and Fayo's music sounds like that, bro. But- wow, you know I'm glad you said that because I was listening to you did a lot of you and Fayo have made a lot of music. People don't know Fayo is definitely one of my favorite rappers in UTB. People don't look it up. Avocado, everything. Shout him out, you already know. But if you literally listen to y'all music it favors a lot of that time period y'all encapsulate encapsule or you get what i'm saying it's that world a lot man <laughs> that mass is crazy <laughs> avocado everything yo I went, man but so when, it, when you use- hey speaking of fail actually i just want to i'll take this time this is fail right here do you guys don't know that Rare. That's a rare photo. That's C. That's Cassius. That's Cassius. That's me in the middle. That's Westside Ty, the Beaver King. Hey. And then this is uh, Jimmy Jimbo Jenkins. Shout and out this- DJ Jimbo Jenkins. And this is Ca- yeah Cassius right there. And this is my boy who uh, who's me that played the drums for me at Coachella. This is backstage at Coachella when we what, performed- what year? This was. 2012 and and that was the year that they did uh it was the tupac hologram i played the same day as the tupac hologram legend <laughs> he's a legend let's go that's some legend shit right there hey that's some rare shit bro bro i'm, I'm oh i played coachella at least once because i just wanted to play one time bro i swear to god i was like if i play coachella one time that's it i could i could like I can't I, that, lie. That was, that my was like, that's what, that's a goal of mine. Like I, like even like this year, but this year particularly when I got invited to even play just the dome, like to DJ the dome, me and speak were doing week one. I was like juice and I'm still juice because it's still happening. But now I'm just like, okay, now I got time to prep. Now I got time to really like dig in my, my bag and doing that shit. And then to even bring it into context too, a lot of people don't know, like, I started off, you knew me before I DJed. You knew me when I was just quote unquote hosting or when I was just trying to figure it out. And then you seen the whole progress of me getting to like buying my own equipment, putting the work in. But I watched you and it was those parties at the Ace. Yeah, man, the Ace Hotel. 
it's, the world famous shout out the world famous party man we it was great times man great bro, times there and that's, that's where i started like hosting learning parties learning transitions learning vibes and I have to give you that credit, like on camera, like I'll give it to you, like real shit, my nigga, real talk. You taught me a lot of that. Thank you, bro. I had you and Dreadlock Security up in the uh, up in the booth at all times. <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> Shout out Dreadlock Security. Shout out Dreadlock Security. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember you used to give me the mic and it used to be like, I used to turn it up and then you'll turn the mic down and you turn it up and you knew the box and when I didn't know what you were doing like you knew exactly when to turn me up when to punch me in when to punch me out but you'll be doing that while mixing and at first I'm like I'm looking like what the hell's going on like why is the mic on I would throw some echo and reverb on your shit too Hell, bro and we would have that shit turned up bro those were those were fun bro those were like literally the 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 parties that I really I felt like I I, I became a DJ you know what I'm saying like I, wow. I, I you know, yeah. like those were because every, you know, I started DJing there a lot, bro. I was DJing there like twice a month and it was like getting packed. I, I did my party once a month, but I also did a pool party there too. So I, I really got my chops at the Ace and the Ace is a different crowd. You know, people don't want to hear lame shit there. You know what I'm saying? They want to hear dope shit. Yeah. And, and so like it was an honor for me to, to to be able to meet them and have them approach me and say, hey, you, you, you are you know, the vibe of the desert that we're looking for, you know, and we right. want you to, and, and we want you to, we, you, we trust you with your taste and what you're going right. to do, you know, right. sort of, so that was fun. And, you know, and, and honestly, our parties got too big. At first I was like, <laughs> I was, <laughs> like, like I had to be realistic, you know, because that room is pretty small, the Amigo room. And so like, yeah. Go there, it would literally get packed to the rim. And the last time I DJed there, it was way too. It was it was way too turned. People were crowd surfing. It was like, it was so lit. It was so much fun though. We had a great time. You can't say it. There's pictures of me, and we're probably gonna use it for the flyer. It's a picture of me like in a luau shirt. <laughs> I used to come there in the tank top to say I'm the sexiest fat nigga on earth. I was like 481 pounds, drunk out of my mind, ready, grabbing the mic, and then you just let me learn my, you, you taught me, but you let me work my shit out. It was like the gym. I worked, you were, you were getting your DJ, but I was learning my hosting. But then I was always watching you DJ. I always watch how you mix, I always watch your transitions. And I was like, okay. And then I remember when you first came, and I mean, I never even talked to you about this. This is real shit. I remember when you first came to my birthday party at the S bar. Shout out to Esbar. And you pulled up and you got in the booth with me and you were watching me DJ and I had, and the crowd was cracking and you're watching and it was packed. And I looked at you, I was like, damn, my nigga Alpha was watching me DJ in my city and I was in his, it was like a moment. And I was like, this is real. This is when I was like, okay, I'm DJ Big Cali now. I'm really out here DJing. I can literally look at Alpha Alpha. Pretty lit too. And I think, I, I think, that was one of the times when I bought one my first bus, I believe. Yes, you brought the V-Dub bus out there. And Bro. that's why we would just hotbox the bus afterwards. <laughs> we hotboxed. Shout out to S-Bar, man. We really were hotboxing. <laughs> Yo, shout out to Riverside as well. You know, we, we baptized my bus. The, the, the Super Sonido bus, we smoked the first joint with uh, you and Cassius. Wow. In, inside that bus. And I was like, you know, we got to do this right now. 
I'm glad you brought up Super Sunita. I want you to talk about that a little bit. What is Super Sunita? What is that? Because I know you always been one to bring live music into your DJ set. I've always seen you bring the congas up there, the percussions. Explain Super Sunita. So what Super Sonido is, it's a it, it it's a it's a label for me, you know, and it and that label encompasses a lot of things. Right now we're in the Super Sonido Studios, you know. So what the official name is Super Sonido Sistema. So Sistema, Super Sonido Sistema. System, yeah, Super Sound System, and so I like it. Uh, you know, we're in the Super Super Sonido Sistema Studios right now. We are a full production. We make we produce music, uh, and we have a whole live. We can record live drums, live guitars. Like we have a whole live room that we could record in and mastering. And basically, we have a lot of tool uh, toys here. I would say they're they're basically drum machines and different keyboards and, and different things that, that I could produce music. I, I do production for uh, HBO, uh, which is a, I did a movie for... Uh, what? I, I scored a movie called Palm Swings, guys. It's insane. You guys got to go watch it, you know? Please. Well, how, how, the more you watch it, the more I get paid. Please watch it. <laughs> Where can we watch it at? So we could watch it. You, I, you could look it up. It's called Palm Swings. It's uh, there's a lot of a couple of dis- distributors, but Amazon I would say would probably be the best. Uh, okay, cool. To, to, to see it, um, it was filmed in Palm Springs, and the producers and the director uh, contacted me, and they said, you know, you're from the desert. You play Coachella. We love your music because I, I, I be producing music and putting it out there for, you know, since. I, my first official release was an international release in Japan, a Japanese label. Um, and that Japanese label uh, licensed some of my music and put it out there. So since 2009, I've been putting out music, you know? Wow. That, was that the uh, beats in my Jeep and all those beat tapes and stuff? No, yeah, no. The beats for my Jeep was like a trap-ass beat, a uh, trap-ass mixtape. I love that tape, by the way. That was a great tape. That was that was super lit right there, um, but you know I basically I pretty oh so the first yeah the first album I ever officially released is this bro this is this is uh, this is a Japanese uh, copy I, I ordered I, I ordered them off Tower Records in Japan they're they're like some of the the people that carry it it's insane wow and and basically you know. After What's this, on that album? Like, what is it all original beats? And who did you work with on that first album? It's all original beats, you know, kind of in the vein of like the, the Dilla Madlib kind of shit, you know? And so, mm-hmm. and actually, which is a funny story, in Tower Records in Shibuya, Japan, next to my album was Madlib's album. And they featured it. It, it was featured. Wow. Talk about, intro- talk about <laughs> bringing it around yeah. about. Yeah, so it, it, this this when I moved to Los Angeles, you know, I was obviously I, I was broke, bro. Like I was li- literally went out there and I was like, I need to find, I need to get on my grind and start paying my bills. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I was, I was grinding and I was definitely like living paycheck to paycheck. I would say so when I got a, a you know a small licensing deal, I think I got like twelve hundred dollars. That shit was like mm-hmm. hitting lottery for me. Like I was like, yo, I just right. Like, music and they gave me that was my advancement they were like hey we'll give you 1200 dollars advancement and i was like 
so, dude, I, so to explain to the people what so when you license it, they they're able to sell it to other people or entities or shows or we wanted to make CDs and put my music on iTunes. iTunes was a new thing back then. It was this was like right. kind of, you know, oh nine. So like people were barely kind of figuring it all that out, but people were still buying CDs at that time. And so, you know, I was blessed, you know, the label that, that, that put this out, they got me. Um, so this, this features 18, um, tracks and, um, who's, and then, what's the name of that album? It's called jump wildly about. Jump and is it available still right now? Could we hear it or we have to go? We have to yeah, look, go to my website, you can hear it. Okay, we're gonna shout out your website then. Then we gotta hear that. What Alpha else you got? If you go to Alpha I love Alpha you, Alpha. brought shit. I love you have a bunch of shit. People can't see, he just busted out hella like rare ass facts and shit. What's this right here? Yeah, so check this out, bro. This is a magazine called Wax Poetics, bro. Okay, and Wax Poetics, that album that came out. You know, they featured Bill Withers in this album. And, uh, you know, rest in peace, Bill Withers, bro. R.I.P. Bill Withers has been like a major inspiration to me, you know? And so I I, I, I was blessed that in this album that, that features some of the legends, you know, let me... Yeah. Like, Bill Withers, Q-Tip, King Tubby, MF Doom, Les McCain, uh, Elton Ellis, like those are just some of the people that are featured in here, and yeah. then the young Alfalfa for my album. Damn, and, bro! How did I, that come about? They just found you, or like, how did that even get there? The the album, the they featured me with some of the legends, bro. And I was like, I was literally a young producer, and I was like living in LA, and I was like, I remember. I was so hyped, you know, I was like, this was the inspiration, like, I needed, I was like, because I, I, you know, obviously music's frustrating, you know, and, and, and in terms of like, if you're trying to pay your bills with your art, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so like, it took me, I was already eager, I wanted to be like, fucking main stage Coachella already, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but exactly. I, yeah, know, just be ready to put that work in, take that slow roll though, sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah, so... So releasing an album in Japan in, in 09 was a good stepping stone for me, you know? No, it, that's it, huge. That's big now. That's still tight. That's still outside of your country. That's still outside of your home. That's another world. That's another people. When you go out there, they know your music. They know your stuff. That's big. I have to give you to that. I, <coughs> page ad of my album in the magazine. Man, that's crazy, bro. And what year is this again? 2009, you said? 2009, bro. So you've roughly been DJing and doing this production music for over 20 years now. Dude, I'm a, I'm an old guy. No, but not even I'm just saying it as like I'm giving you your roses like while you're here, you know? That's oh, that's old to you, man, cuz you took it from you're in a you were in a music scene in the desert where a lot of people probably would have been like, okay, I'm going to go to L.A. and get it on and stay in L.A. and I'm from L.A. And you could have been doing that. Yes, you worked in L.A., but you've always kept it trill to the desert. You've always kept it like, I'm really from Palm Springs, Desert Hot Springs. You're bringing us out there. You showed us that wave out there. We were coming to the Ace Hotel. You made it like, oh, wait, there's a party scene out here. But you, even with Gopi, shout out Gopi, bringing us out there, like doing that whole thing. So... I want to know, you know, before, because I know we can't keep you long, man. What advice do you have for maybe someone that's out there in the desert that has like, or maybe out there, maybe in a a city where the music scene may not be prominent at that time? 
what what drive do you give them to keep going or what what recommend what do you recommend for them to maybe level up their game and do what they have to do i mean going back to like this whole quarantine thing because in the beginning you asked me like the whole like how am i holding up in the quarantine and honestly to tell you the truth as a, if you're going to be a dope producer i i feel if you're going to be a dope producer artist kind of creator yeah. you have yeah, a bit of a recluse, you know? So right. this thing, you know, pe- people, you know, I, I hope they should use it as a time for them to reflect on what they exactly. want to do. You know? And especially now, like the whole question of like, is your shit essential or not essential? Like that's some crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, right. That is crazy. That's some crazy shit. And so like what businesses are essential? But because you could argue every business is, is essential and you could also argue every business is not essential. So like, like I'm just saying, like, if you're trying to be an original dope ass artist, it has yeah. to be from you. Like you could get inspired. You could do like you could like you could, you know, be inspired by other people. But like if you're biting shit or if you're just like copying like other people's game plan, like that's just gonna mm. be right through the thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like the dopest artists are just like, they're organic with their shit, you know? But right. at a certain time, you have to follow through. And, and as an artist, you have to commit, you know? So a hard time for me is like, when to know if the, it, when the beat is done, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause you can mm. keep adding shit to the beat, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You gotta like, sometimes, you know, and I feel like Dilla was really good at that. Like he, yeah. he just just the right amount of shit to make it go that, through. That science alone with Dilla is like it's always offbeat, but yet right on beat at the same fucking time. And that's so annoying trying to figure out that part <laughs> when you're producing, man. It's like what the fuck, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like, and and and, uh, and if you're gonna be a dope artist, you your sound. You're gonna have to have some kind of signature sound too. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like how set like I feel like a good example of that is like K Tronada. You know, like an artist like K Tronada, like all his beats are dope and they have a certain kind of vibe to them. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, yeah, and- it is definitely if I love DJ and K Tronada tracks, can't lie. All K Tronada tracks are like Sid, Sid tracks, K Tronada tracks, mix in like some Stevie Lazy. You know, you, you got a whole like Sunday brunch or like a Saturday vibe. Or a pool party vibe, it's a it's a thing. There's like producers that kind of emulate that, you know, and it's dope. I'm not hating all those producers, but like, you know, I get props the original. to the originator. So like, right? It, like, I I look at like just like you know how 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 do you freak it, you know? And and it all like for me like the type of production I really love is like sample based production, you know, like shit that like you can sample, but then with the live instrumentation, like you said, so. Part of the Super Sonido studio is I like to sample nice, rare jazz grooves or like funk grooves. I love funk music. And, yes. and yeah. like guitarists come in. And you you had a guitarist the other day on your live feed. And it was oh, really yeah, that's cool. my... Hey, bro, that's my bro, man. That's 5K, man. He's nice. And, and that guy is nice, and I still want his contact because I, I, I need him here to do... Bro, a we can, we're going to... I'm going to bring him over to the Super Sonido we gonna come through. We gonna, it's gonna be a vibe for sure. It's really nice, bro. And and I like that because that's 
that's when you're you're taking your your music and the then the to another level you know well, let me be honest with you i'm gonna be real with you. that's how i learned how to dj better is because i live with here i live with 5k that's my room one of my roommate so oh, when okay. i when i dj i learned how to dj with playing with a live guitarist Oh, wow. So if I can DJ and keep a live guitarist on beat without messing him up, a crowd is nothing because it's just like keeping count. Bro, so if I, yeah, you're a legend, bro. You're stop you, it, stop you're, it, stop it. With the guitarist, bro. But that's how I practice. It's like it's just how God works. It's just how you know the spirits work. It's like how it just fell, and it helps me keep my count. It helps me keep on beat. And you understand that. You understand bro, what I mean. The thing is, it, the the best thing to to kind of relate it to is jazz music. You know, like jazz music is improvisation. You know, and so improvisation is. You better stop. We can talk like four more hours. You just brought up jazz. You know I'm a jazz head. I'm, I'm, you know we can do that, man, all night, bro. Oh, dude, I got I was listening to the Jazz Crusaders the other night. I took some mushrooms. I can enjoy my jazz. I can't lie. I for sure uh, was listening to Miles Davis this morning. Actually, very rare. Hold on. Before I get out of here, I'm gonna, I got this album that I just, I'm going to drop on you that I heard. It's called... I cannot pronounce this. Never mind. If people can see it, it's right there. It's a French album. It's a French album by Miles Davis. He made this album. He made this album before he made Kind of Blue. Oh, nice. He made it before he made Kind of Blue. He made it for a French movie, and he and he played it. He just went in there with a sig. He had a whole European band that he never worked with, and he just went in there and just start playing it while the movie was playing in the background. And then the whole album. I'm going to send you this album when it's over. I want you to listen to it. I, uh, for sure, had to go on. I, for sure, had to take a little, uh, little Sid trip and go down and go listen to that and go, go on the other side. And I seen I seen the top of the mountain, and I know the answers. <laughs> but nah, brother, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be real with you, man. I appreciate you chopping it up with me, man. And you are a legend in yourself. I appreciate you influencing niggas like me, giving giving people like me a chance and letting me see the desert, showing me your home and letting me appreciate that. I love that. That's my second home. I love the desert. I love to what is falls, bro. I want to take huh? you to. I want to take you to the waterfalls, bro. Hey, I lost 200 pounds. I can go with you now. I can go with you now. Now I can go. Now I can go. <laughs> but I really appreciate everything, though, brother, man. And um, where can people where can people get your music? Where can people get your stuff, man? Shout all your, your shit out, man. Just go, honestly, just to make it easy on everybody, just go to alfalfa.com. Alfalfa.com. Instagram, alfalfa. Twitter, alfalfa. He plays so good. Oh, and just to let me, he's the originator of spelling the word P-L-E-Y-A, player. I'm the original Playboy, and no one could tell you different. I'll give it, hey, you were using the word. We we took it. We've been using it since, and that's why you you family, you DJed. The story behind that is because my, you know, one of my good friends, Carlos Ramirez, we were in New York City, and I, and he was like, he kept he kept saying that like on that trip he kept saying he, he plays so good you know and then yeah, yeah. He, he basically was like you're a playboy 
I was like, what? Like, what do you mean, Playboy? He was like, you're a Playboy because he's like, you're a DJ and you need to know when to push play. He's like, you know, you need to know when not to push play and when to push play. So you need to be at the control. So you're a play. And, and, and you know, then, that blew my that's mind. Deep. That's deep. And even take it one step where I remember when you first said that, I took the word play and I took the word player because I always was like, it's living life strategically. It's yeah. living life. It's living life good. It's playing the game right. It's playing the game good. If you're going to be a DJ, you're gonna be a DJ. If you're gonna do it right, you're gonna be it right, and you're gonna be the roots of it. You're gonna be under the bottom. It's a lifestyle. You know I mean? It's a lifestyle. You already feel me, man. That's why you, my brother, man. Alfalfa, I love you, bro. And uh, for man, for all your production, for all your productive needs, when it comes to this podcast stuff, audio and visual, go to productiveculture.com backslash podcast. And how did you hear about a section? Put in Big Cali World. Um, for this podcast and also Argoon Radio, you can go to BigCaliWorld.com. Also, the merch is available. We got mat- protective mask available. Hit me up. Um, for all your for all your clothes, accessories, go to UTBLifestyle.shop. We should have some stuff coming up in the near future. You know, for that quarantine dollars that's coming in, that stimulus check, going to spend it with some small businesses. You know what it is. I love he has his mask on right now for people that ain't watching. This is comedy and shit. But nah, man, and um, yeah, I think that's it, man. Alfalfa, alfalfa.com, bro. If you guys want some dope-ass beats, and if you want to hear some dope-ass music, go to alfalfa.com. That's what I'm talking about, man. It's the man with the plan. I ain't Clark Kent, but some of the ladies do call me Superman. It's your boy, Big Cali, man. Peace out, man. Love you, Alfalfa. Thank you.